0: Hello and thank you for tuning in to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by this week's message as we all live to bring more of heaven to earth. It's good to be back here again today. How are y'all doing today? Good. You in a good mood? Yeah, so is God. Aren't you glad for that? Yeah, I'm glad he's in a good mood. Always in a good mood. Um, I'm going to jump right into this because it is an absolute beautiful day outside today, and I also feel like uh, during worship this morning uh, there was there was a lot of God was doing a lot in this room during worship. A lot of um, a lot of peace, a lot of joy. I felt like there was some healing that was taking place in here, and uh, it, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was just prepping us for a nice fire tunnel at the end today. So I, I think. <laughs> I think we 're just going to have a ministry tunnel and and everyone just go through and have fun how 's that sound all all on board say yay oh good all right we 're uh in part six of a ephesians uh, series that i 've been doing i I love this book i 've often said if there was no other book uh, if we this was the only book in the Bible we had there 'd be enough to tell us everything we need to know about um, what God has done for us. They saved us, reconciled us, restored us. But thank the Lord, it's not the only book. And we're going to look at a couple things today that Paul was talking about. How many of you um, noticed this year, this spring, all the seeds that were coming down from the trees? Any, anybody like maple seeds, and it started with the birch seeds—the little cotton ball-like things, the white fluffy things. Right? They—they they were like the, the yeah, like going for like two weeks. I think it was possibly the longest birch seed season. I think I've ever seen. And then it moved to um, the maples, and those little helicopter things started coming down. Uh, The grandkids had fun collecting all those seeds off of our lawn, not all of them, but a lot of them. They'd fill up big cups. And you know, they taste like nuts, those seeds. I don't know if you've ever eaten them, but anyway, um, then those oak things started coming down the brown oak things, stringy brown. You know, If you live in an apartment, you probably don't notice these things, but if you have a house and a yard, you do. And, I mean, this was just going on for weeks. And, and then it went into the poplar seeds and the little cotton things that started going after the birch seeds. And I was sitting on the porch and I'm going, Lord, what is going on with all these seeds? I mean, I've lived here in New England since 1977, and I don't remember any seed season like this. And so I sat there and I asked and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, it's seed time. It's seed time. And I thought, okay, it's seed time. It is. It's seed time. You know, God can speak through us through anything, nature. We can hear him. Uh, He can speak to us internally with a soft voice. You can speak there to us or anything, and when I heard seed time, I thought, "Okay, we we're, we're going to plant some seeds, Lord. We're going to let's do this together." So I feel like that's what this series is—it's a seed planting series. Um, and I feel like today's message, and especially, is um, is uh, seed. Jesus talked about the sower who went out and sowed the seed, and there were four types of soil, which he said was basically the heart, and you've got the. The heart that was receptive. you got the heart that was hardened you 've got the heart that was um, thorny and and kind of shallow and only wanted good news and happy things all the time and wasn 't really able to anchor down deep when trials came and he talks about these different kind of hearts that receive the word of God and today I, I feel like today I need to go I, I need to go into this in a sense of planting seed but also in a sense of I, I look around and I see what's going on um, in various sectors of the the church, and there are uh, there there are a lot of different things happening right now. I, I don't know if if you're fully aware, but um, I've become fully aware of like some teachings that are coming in that are almost uh, almost like universal to a sense that you know God. God finished everything. I believe that. I believe in the finished work. I know, I know that. But like he finished everything and everybody is all set now. Everybody's all saved. And that teaching is somewhat of a contradiction to what I personally believe and also what I've found in scripture. And so today I want to lay a scriptural base uh, just basically showing the need for people to respond to the finished work. There's a need for us as believers to respond to what God has given us. Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start out here. So what do I call a seed time? I call it seed time because it's basically when you plant a seed, a seed basically has to go through a process. First, it has to be dead before you plant it. If you plant a live seed in the ground... And it doesn't die first; it's not going to spring up. It has to die first, and then when it gets planted, then it starts to spring up. And then there's a period of time before the when the plant comes up. There's a period of time that the plant actually grows before it actually produces flowers and other seeds, or fruit, or whatever the case might be. And I feel like right now there's a, a we're we're in a seed time uh, with. And this is what I felt like the Lord was showing me on the deck when I'm looking at all these seeds coming down. And I, I don't know about you, but I have a nice yard and. We, we have a nice garden, and I, I mulched it. I took all the time to mulch it and everything, and it just looked absolutely beautiful. The mulch, mulch was nice and dark, and all the maple trees that were around, which is, we have tons of maple trees. I mean, it was just right after I mulched it, and it was like, I'm looking at my garden just turned to maple seeds, you know, and it's just the color of maple seeds. And I was like, oh, Man, what's going on with these seeds? And then it just didn't stop. And even yesterday I was looking, and there's those helicopters are still coming down. It's like, come on, there's enough seeds already. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air and the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. "...among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." Now, this is a very um, powerful scripture, and it doesn't sit alone. You're going to find other scriptures that Paul wrote that deal with this very thing. And I, I feel like what he's, what he's laying, he's laying some things down because he's dealing with the Gentile church, and he's dealing with uh, people who were Gentiles. They were not brought up under the law. They did not have the promises that the Jewish people were, were promised. They were brought up separately from all of that. They, they were basically taught, you just do whatever you want in this life. Live however you want. It's okay. You are your own God, you know, and if, and if you don't like being your own God, then we'll make a God for you to worship. And the church of Ephesus, they, they were, um, or not the church of Ephesus, but the people of Ephesus were uh, pagan Gentiles. They did not have the truth in any way, shape, or form presented to them. They had nothing but uh, intellectual theories and uh, myths and various other things that they that they followed after. And Paul is the opposite of that. This is, so amazes me how God chose Paul to be the the... Apostles to the Gentiles because he, he was so schooled in the law. I mean, this guy had the law. He was like, man, he was Mr. Law. He he had he had gone as high as you can go, go under the Jewish law. He had, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He had climbed the ladder. He was at the pinnacle, and he's so zealous for God. He sees this this he sees that Jews are starting to embrace Christianity, and he gets bent out of shape. He gets really been out of shape. And those days he didn't have social media where he could voice himself. So he basically, you know, went from town to town and he began to persecute the Christians and those who were being converted from Judaism to, to Christianity. And he's doing this relentlessly. I mean, he has just got zeal in his blood, man. He's like, he's fueled up and he feels like he's doing God a big favor. Have you ever met anyone who thinks they're doing God a big favor? Man, they're rough people to deal with. You know, if you if you come against someone who thinks they're doing God a favor, like they are God's protector, God's defender, man, they're going to want to argue you to the hilt. And if they if you don't swing over to where they're at, they're going to start throwing stones at you pretty quick, and you're going to be in trouble. And that's kind of like what Paul was. And he is like just going and and God finally just I think God saw his heart. He saw his he saw his love. He saw his tenderness. He saw his compassion. He saw his zeal. And he just says, okay, enough. You're mine. And he gets him on the road, knocks him out, uh, you know, blinds him by the light, so to speak. He was blinded by the light. And, and so he's, he's down for the count. And as he's down for the count, he hears this voice to say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he answers and says, who are you, Lord? immediately he knows this is the lord who i'm persecuting and he says rise up go to the city of i forget what it is and and there and just wait there i'm i'll, I'll come i'll send someone to you and ananias comes and you, you guys know the story ananias comes lays hands on him there as, as he's in the room the scales fall off his eyes from blindness Uh, He gets filled with the Holy Spirit, gets infused with power, the love of Jesus Christ just comes all over him. And now he goes from a zealous, law-abiding, doctrinally infused Jew to a spirit-filled, believing in Jesus Christ's finished work and grace. And he's blown away. His his whole paradigm gets shifted. It just shifts. In that process, God chose him to become the apostle to the Gentiles. And he he goes for it, doesn't he? Three Three worldwide trips in his lifetime around the known world at the time. He makes three trips that are worldwide. Not by airplane, by land, and by sea. And he goes... All around, and he has this calling. He has this gifting to minister to these pagans who knew nothing about Jehovah Jireh or Yahweh, other than that they were always on the bad side of them. And Paul comes in, and he says, "By grace you have been saved. By grace you're saved." It was his message. By grace you are saved through faith. It is not of your own works. It's not what you do. It's what has been accomplished for you. And he brings this message to these pagans who are living godlessly. And they're, they're still sacrificing to idols. And they're still believing that the idols are going to help them. And they're still having orgies in the streets. And there's still uh, uh, homosexuality around. And they're, still, they're just steeped in all these sins. And he basically writes them in, in Ephesians. And he says... You he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. And he's bringing something in the past tense. He's describing to them what they once were, not what they are. Amazing. I mean, here's a guy who, before he had an encounter with Jesus Christ, would have never even thought of visiting one of their homes because he would be worried he'd get contaminated. He was worried that sin was more powerful than the righteousness he carried. Worried that if he came against someone who was unclean, he'd have to go through all the ceremonial Jewish washings to wash them off of him. <laughs> and now he's, he's there. He's loving on them. He's blessing them. He's calling them into their destiny of what God has called them to be. And that's what I love about the book of Ephesians. We looked at this for the last couple weeks about predestination. How we have been destined to be sons of God. We've been destined to be children of God. He chose us. To be in Christ before the foundations of the earth were even laid. And this is what Paul is telling the Gentiles. And you can imagine there are a lot of zealous Jews, just like what he was, who got very ripped at him. They were mad at Paul. In fact, they got so mad at him, every city that he went to, they tried to kill him. Yeah, He's getting a little bit of harvest coming after, isn't he? He planted that seed, and now he's getting a harvest from that seed. But God's grace was good to him, and he was able to bring the message to all kinds of people. But what he is laying down here is in this thing in that you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in sons of disobedience. Now this prince and the power of the air thing. This has been going on a long time in the church, you know, and, and it's like it's it's like intercessors and prophetic people and uh, everybody reacts to the prince and the power of the air, you know. And it and the the more I don't know about you, but the more you talk about the devil and the more you talk about the enemy and what he's been doing and and what he's trying to do to you, the more you talk about how the attacks that he's unfolding on your life, the more of that stuff you talk, the more you're going to see. Because you're, you're, you're picking up the wrong person. The prince in the power of the air. He's no longer the prince in the power of the air. Not for believers. <laughs> we have overcome. That's what you look at. We're overcomers. We're, not, no, we're no longer subjected. Now this is what I love. Because it says that the prince in the power is working in sons of disobedience. So I want you to hold that thought just for a minute. The prince and the power of the air is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You got that? Not those who are obedient. The sons of disobedience. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of this flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now, this is what I want you to follow. Children of wrath. How many of you have thought that when you read children of wrath, you think, well, it's just God's wrath upon them because they're Any Anybody in here? Some of you don't want to, or you're afraid to raise your hand? You're not quite sure the answer. Children of wrath, okay, they're children of wrath because they're under the authority, of the prince, and the power of the air. It's not God inflicting wrath on them. It's that prince and power of the air that's inflicting wrath on them. You guys okay? I'm I'm feeling like I just want to I I just want to go, I want to hit this thing. I just want to hit it hard because I, I feel like, you know, if we're believers and we're, we're understanding the gospel correctly, we shouldn't be looking for God to punish the disobedient. If you have that kind of an idea, change it. Because that is not, that, that is not our position at all. God so loved the whole world. He didn't just love a part of it. I, I mentioned this uh, just a few weeks ago that the gospel is universal. What I did not mean is that the gospel is universal and everybody is saved. What I mean is that God didn't just save a certain select people, He, he, he saved the whole world. And this is what Paul is, is laying down. This is what he's bringing. He's bringing us to the Gentiles because the Gentiles are just getting converted, they're just getting saved, man. They're just coming into this whole new territory of living, of being, of, of not being punished anymore by their God that they served. Whichever God that was, they're, they're no longer under that authority. They're coming under the authority of Jesus Christ. The authority that Jesus Christ, who gives them the power to heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons. Who gives them the power to walk by the Spirit of God and listen to the Spirit of God and commune with the Spirit of God and walk in union with Jesus Christ. This is what's happening in their lives. And he's showing them that's how you once lived. You were once under that system of disobedience where you were planting seeds of disobedience and you are reaping the wrath that comes with those seeds. And he says, but thanks be to God, you're no longer under that system anymore. And what's he do? He lays out the reason that mankind needs to be born again. Because it exists today still. There's people that, they only want to live according to their flesh. They only want to live according to what they desire. They only want to live after, you know, running after whatever they want to run after. It's like that system is still at work today. And people under that system only want to satisfy themselves. But when you get born again, you come out of that system and you come under a different system, a system of heaven, which walks in the authority to be able to cancel out the effects of sin and disobedience. Now, if, if, if everybody's okay, okay, if everybody's okay, they wouldn't need to be born again, would they? Jesus wouldn't have need to talk to Nicodemus about being born again. If everybody's okay, you're all going to heaven. It's okay. It's okay. You get this? It's like people who have not responded to the gospel. They've not believed in the gospel. Maybe they've not even heard about the reconciliation that the gospel offers. People that are living like that are being brutalized by an enemy who hates them so much. They're being tormented at night in their sleep. They're being tormented by substance abuse. They're being tormented by various kinds of abuse. They're living to fulfill the desires of their flesh. They have no concept of what the desire of a spirit looks like. They just live according to the desire of their flesh. Flesh, 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 flesh. Flesh! Jesus says you must be born again. When you you become born again, when you come to Christ, when you come to Jesus, guess what happens? 2 Corinthians 5 says this, if you could just turn there. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-21 For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. (laughs) I love this. I'm going to read it again because I love it so much. For the love of Christ compels us. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles who goes to the Gentiles. He could go with a message of wrath and anger and you guys are so screwed up, man. You just need to get saved. But instead, he goes, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, Everybody say all. All. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. By the way, everyone say no one. one. Do you think that means no one? I think it means no one. I looked it up in the Greek. It definitely means no one. (laughs) We regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, who has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is that god was in christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation the word of reconciliation so we have a lot we have a lot in here okay we have we have paul who's dealing with this topic of the finished work of christ he's he's basically saying that all have been reconciled when you this is what it says It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so he's basically saying all have been reconciled. And he says, if therefore anybody is in Christ and what that if therefore if anybody is in Christ basically means that there's something that they needed to do on their part to get in Christ. And that we are ministers of reconciliation to show them there's something they can do to get in Christ. There's something they can do to leave from to get out from the subjection of punishment by the prince and the power of the air and come under the grace of a loving God who is so good and so amazing that he is just going to blow your socks off and bless you to the end of the world bless you not condemn you in verse 20 he says now then we are ambassadors for christ as though god were pleading through us we implore you on christ's behalf be reconciled to god for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of god see he has committed us with the word of reconciliation that we might become the righteousness of god it's it's not what, what 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 shall i say it's not an automatic given the righteousness of god it's an, automatic, it's an automatic thing when it becomes received. We find other things in the gospel. This is what we find on, on our parts. We believe, we turn away from darkness into the light. We come, we draw near, and we, we walk into what's already been prepared to us. That's the gospel. That's something that we need to, to understand today because there are, there are teachings out there today that just basically just sees everybody's saved. It's okay. Relax. Take it easy. Everyone's saved. Anybody ever hear anybody say that recently? Yeah. Now the scripture that I just read is what a lot of people use for that gospel because it reconciled, he He's come to reconcile all things. Yes, he's come to reconcile all things for those who who believe what did jesus say he who believes on me shall not perish but have everlasting life there's a part for us as humans to believe in the good work that god has done for us and there's a part as us for humans to receive that and our part as believers is to help people see that our part is not to condemn people to hell it's not to preach a judgment condemnation thing. You know, it's not to go up and tell people you're under God's wrath if you don't come to Him. They're not under God's wrath, they're under the enemy's wrath, they're under the prince and the power of the heirs wrath. So we draw near for what's been prepared for us and what's been prepared for us is something that Paul so beautifully portrays in, in 1 Corinthians 15 and this I actually went and looked up in the Greek because it's just so amazing how the Greek words it. 1 Corinthians 15, 44-49 uh, There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being and the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven." As was the man of dust, so are also those who are made of dust. Makes sense, right? If, there, if, if you're only if you're only alive in a sense, in a bodily, fleshly fashion, and your spirit is not alive, and you're you're just basically you're you're blind to what's been given to you in the form of salvation and righteousness. If you're blind to that, then your spirit is starving to death. As is the man of dust, so also are those made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so are also those who are heavenly. So he's laying this whole foundation. He's coming along. He's saying, Adam, flesh. Jesus, spirit. He's not saying Jesus only came in the spirit, but he's saying that Jesus came in the flesh and the spirit. I know this gets confusing. It's okay. I'm, work, I, I'm, I'm trying to work through this. I'm trying to lay this thing down because of what we have been given And what we come into when we believe. Verse 49. And as we have been born in the image of the man of dust, we also continually bear the image of the heavenly man. That's what the Greek says. We also continually bear the image of the heavenly man. So this, guess what? We're looking around in here and we're seeing people sitting here, right? We're, We're seeing faces, we're seeing bodies, we're seeing... You're in the flesh. I know we've been accused, Pentecostals have been accused of being in the flesh for centuries. We're in the flesh. We are. Everybody's in the flesh. Everybody has this shell. But that does not mean that we're in Adam. And that we're in dust. It means that we're in Christ. We are born a new creation in Christ. We are the heavenly man. We are as He is. And this, I just love this. How many of you have seen the movie, It's, uh, it's a Wonderful Life? Jimmy Stewart, old movie, right? And he's walking along with his, his girl out there after the dance. <laughs> He's walking along and she looks up and she says, isn't it a beautiful moon tonight? And he says, you want the moon? Hey, I'll last lasso the moon for you. I'll lasso the moon for you. And she says, okay, then what? And he stumped for a minute and he says, and then you'll swallow it. And when you swallow the moon, it's going to go down and the beams are going to shine out of your eyes, and going to shine out of your fingers, and shine out of your. And it's like, yeah. That's what it's like for us as believers. When we come into Christ, He shines. Oh, baby, does He shine? You can't hide the glow, He's going to shine. Like moonbeams shooting out of your eyes and out of your fingertips. He's going to shine. So I don't, I don't feel like shiny. I don't feel that shiny today. Well, you might not feel that shiny today, but let me tell you, he shines every day, all the time. And if you need to renew your mind a little bit to get that in, in your mind, renew your mind a little bit and get that in your mind. Because that's what this is saying. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also continually bear the image of the heavenly man. Continually bear the image of the heavenly man. It's not a part-time deal. It's not something that we just, once in a while, well, when we're at church on Sunday morning, we bear the image of the heavenly man. But the rest of the week, we kind of like walking that man of dust. No, it's not like that. When you are saved by grace through faith, you are a new creation. You're made brand new. Brand new. First John 4 says this, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. What? Does that mean we're God? No, it doesn't. What's it mean? It means that when you're, when you're walking in the light, right? When you're walking in the light, depending on what direction the light is hitting, you're going to be casting a shadow. Is that correct? Like I can see my shadow right here from these lights. You're going to be casting a shadow. The shadow is like you. It isn't you, but it's like you. It's an image of you. It's a representation of you. And that's what this means. It means that everywhere we walk, it means wherever we go, we cast a shadow of his likeness. I believe it's that shadow that Acts talks about when Peter walked down the sidewalk and people were bringing the sick to line him up in the streets just so that his shadow might touch them. It's that anointing that we carry in Christ, it's that love that we have that shines that is going to touch this world. And it's, it's what we're called to in the ministry of reconciliation to touch this world. So that people can be reconciled. Back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also you once conducted yourself in the lust of your flesh, fulfilling all the desires of flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You're no longer there. You and I are no longer there. Whenever the devil comes to tell you a lie, man, you sure blew it, you blew it, you blew it, you blew it, you blew it. it." You're no longer in the flesh. You're in the spirit. You're, you're of the heavenly man. And because we're of the heavenly man, we get to walk like Jesus did. We get his shadow. And his shadow touches people and changes people. Could y'all stand? (sighs) How y'all doing? I've said this many times before that the message of the gospel is not about us and them. It's just about us. God so loved the world. It's not about believers and unbelievers. It's about God so loved the world. It's about He loves everyone on this planet. There's not a single person He doesn't like. Do you have any enemies He doesn't in a sense that they're on his end. But he has a lot of enemies that don't like him. He knew, he knew when Jesus died on the cross that not everybody would receive his gift of salvation. But it did not stop Jesus from dying on the cross. Because his love, his love, he knew that his love, his, his dying on the cross was going to take the punishment off of the world and going to take the punisher out. And there is no fear in love. oh you guys, I just want you to close your eyes just for a minute put put your hands up in receiving mode. Fill us up, Lord. Fill us up with your understanding and who you are and all that you've given. (laughs) Fill us with the revelation of, of wisdom and the revelation of the inheritance that you have promised to us. Fill us up with your knowledge, Lord, and your wisdom that surpasses all other wisdom. We invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to encounter the people all around us, in our life, in our region, in our towns, in our area. We invite you to encounter. We invite you to open our understanding to our part as reconcilers to your love and your grace. I thank you for this great people. I thank you, Lord, that we stand here in faith together. We, we gather, hey, we gather together here, Lord. We're like in faith. We're, we, we have faith. We believe in you. We trust in you. And we know of your goodness. We ask and invite you. To fill us with more of your power so that we go from glory to glory. And we do that every day, not just when we feel like it. From glory to glory. Holy Spirit, if you need to knock us off our feet, knock us off our feet. until we see Christ in us, the hope of glory, shining out of every pore of our being. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit faithworship.org. Oh, wow.